Chapter Fifty One of On a Donkey's Hurricane Deck. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On a Donkey's Hurricane Deck by Robert Pitcher Woodward. Chapter Fifty One. Donk, boy, and dried apples, by Macaroni. I will feed you to bursting, the fair god. Eureka is a good old mining town that saw its finish when Congress demonetized silver. As have some clouds, it has a silver lining. The earth beneath and the surrounding hills are rich, or rather poor, in the white metal. A few of the mines were still operating, and anyone could see tin horse teams drawing ore done up in bags like grain to fool any mule or donk. That night we hungry donkeys arrived in town we followed a wagon filled with bags of ore a quarter of a mile out of our course before prof discovered the mistake i observed that the populace didn't take much interest in what i had to say so i didn't say much but i thought lots and stored away plenty of grain and hay to say nothing of water the amount i drank would make a camel envious but I wasn't satisfied. I hadn't tasted fruit for a long time, so I got out of the corral, strolled to a grocery store, and helped myself to dried apples. I was about to nab a bacon when I was driven away to a watering trough by a kind boy who knew a thing or two, and then led to the corral. I remembered having eaten less than two quarts of apples, but before ten minutes were gone, I easily believed I had eaten ten bushels. To look at me, you would have sworn I had swallowed a barrel full, barrel and all. Most of the day I spent rolling around the corral in pain. For the first time in my life, I knew what it was to be really tight. The kind boy stood innocently by, and a companion of his dared him to go up first. Up where? asked the kind boy. Up in the balloon, you old big idiot, said the other. Just got to tie a basket to his tail and get in and hang on fill in fast. He'll rise pretty soon That mockery was more than I could stand while lying down So I rolled onto my feet and made both boys scarce and if a horse doctor hadn't stabbed me The kind boy would have needed a balloon to save himself That evening saw me well again, but my cravings took a different turn. I had a taste for a newspaper Finally a man threw one to me among its contents I ran across the following squib and smiled Mac tempted and driven out Some vixen let out one of Pie Pod's burrows It happened to be his pet Jack then drove him to Pete Dago's open-air lunch counter Where the ass helped himself to that diet which would go farthest yet take up the least room dried apples It's a sad story, but the worst is over and save a small doctor's bill and the grocer's bill and the five-dollar bill and the small boy bill who had been placed in the coop for the night No other bill figures in the case the distinguished party leave in the morning Also the nigh extinguished party meaning me Adam was the first ass to be tempted to eat a forbidden fruit, but not the last Adam blamed Eve Mac blames a kind boy Adam deserves some commiseration for having perhaps sampled apples too green For we know what it is to be a boy, but no compassion can be tendered the narrow-gauge mule That is such an ass as to pack away a hundred pounds of evaporated apples Gulp down a cistern and expect to fly 
During his sojourn, Pod wrote his weekly letter, discussed the desperadoes with the sheriff, photographed some crippled, dried-up Paiute Indians, and doctored the sick dog, for Don had on the trail imbibed too freely of alkali water. We left town the morning of October 11th and arrived at the Willows about midnight, after a long forced march through a wilderness. There Pod pitched camp. Neighboring broncos disturbed my dreams, and daylight revealed a bunch of cowboys on a roundup, also a bale of hay, which set us all braying so loudly that we awoke the men in time to start for Austin before the sun got scorching hot. The cowboys were a jolly lot. They gave an exhibition of rough riding which nearly frightened Damfino into epileptics and Don into hydrophobia. Then the whole lot of them fired their revolvers in the air and scooted through the sage, yelling like mad. Our next stop was the Blackbird Ranch, twenty-five miles further on, whose hospitable proprietor showed greater interest in the novel tent than in anything else. Coonskin took it down with one hand, pitched it with two feet, and while the wondering spectators pulled their whiskers, bound up the canvas and tied the rope with his teeth. A seventy-five-mile journey from Eureka to Austin was accomplished in three days. There the professor lectured to an immense audience. Austin is another mining town that had seen more prosperous times. Its people, like those of Eureka, were cordial and generous. When Pod and I led the troop out of town, he was considerably enriched in pocket and mind. Twelve Mile Ranch is twelve miles from the town, same, I suppose, as October 13th is the 13th of the month. Here was a large stock ranch, and the thrifty proprietor did his best to persuade my stubborn master to remain overnight, at least until the threatening storm had passed. He would not tarry, but hustled us on in a drizzling rain. By nightfall we began to climb a canyon winding over the Shoshone Mountains, I think, and about midnight reached the summit in a blinding snow squall. The wind blew at half a hurricane gate, and the men were mad because they couldn't light a match to look at the compass and get their bearings, and Damfino lay down on the dog that had lain under the donkey to get out of the ice-shod wind, and the men wasted twenty minutes searching for the right trail. You see, my biped friends, that another range of mountains met the Shoshones at right angles at this point, and it was dollars to nutmegs that the men would miss the trail in the dark which happened as the result two hours later our outfit slid into camp for the rest of the night some two and a half miles from the plain breakfast was served at ten menu sagebrush for five we were on the north side and the wrong side of the range plain enough pod said it was coonskin's fault coonskin claimed the prof was to blame and the dispute would have ended in the blessings of the pipe of peace if Coxie and Cheese had not chewed up the only bag of tobacco while the men were feeding. We were now in what was, I believe, the Sincarada Valley. It stretched many miles to the north and appeared to be twenty miles wide at the narrowest point. No sign of habitation could we see. All day long we trailed through that desolation, parallel with the range, until we came to a cross trail leading to the mountains, and here the men examined the compass and headed for the hills. It was sundown ere we began the ascent, and ten o'clock when we went into camp halfway to the summit. The air was chill, and we thirsty animals were left unguarded while the men built a fire. I smelt snow on the mountain peak, 
so did my comrades my instinct told me that in a moment more we all would be picketed for the night our mouths were parched but the men had only enough water in their canteens for themselves self-preservation is the first law of nature i reflected and to think was to act i whispered to damfino she passed the word to Coxey, and all five of us desperate donks stole away unnoticed in the darkness and followed our noses as fast as our weary legs could take us in the direction of the peak. The air was so rarefied I could hear the least sound, and the slow kindling fire flamed more plainly instead of more dimly as we widened the breach of confidence between us and our masters rather hard on the fellows for us to run off with their water observed cheese stopping for breath sure enough the men were left without supplies water or food not a thing had been unpacked i loved the professor for he had many times made sacrifices for me and the thought made me stop and look back the men were talking and gesticulating excitedly presently one started up the trail and the other down and was soon lost to view they had set out on the wrong scent with some misgivings i hastened to catch up with my comrades end of chapter 51